And you know the poem Trees by Joyce Kilmer? I think I brought it up on an episode before, but... No, I hate poetry. No, I don't know it. Okay. I That's think one I, bad yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. You, you would know it. <laughs> Alfalfa sang it on The Little Rascals. I think that I would never see... Oh, a thing as lovely as a tree? A as lovely oh, as a tree. Geesh. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Hey You Know It. My name is Jaquetta Sotmar, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie Kazmier. Hey You Know It is a podcast that tells you how it is or how it should be. You can listen to Hey You Know It on iTunes, a new episode every Monday. And here they are, Jaquetta and Katie. So we are celebrating today Arbor Day and Earth Day. That's right. Yeah. I remember Earth Day celebrations uh, from high school, mm-hmm. and a couple of the kids at my school were really into it and wanted to have the celebration, and a lot of other people made fun of us mm-hmm. because they were like, ah, what's the big deal? And apparently at that point, it was uh, looked upon as quote-unquote gay. Do you remember reactions to things like this in like high yeah. school and elementary school? And we were like... But we used the word, the word gay was used... Uh, to like be lame. Lame. Yeah. So you and say. I was... Corny. Corny. I couldn't... I'm like, what's lame about... It's like celebrating and trying to preserve the earth. Right. In any case. But it started in 1970, and at my college, they had it. They at the beginning? When it was kind of young still. Okay. Not, not, I wasn't in college in 1970. Well, clearly. <laughs> Otherwise, you would have been very precocious. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so I remember, like, I'm in college. Katie yeah. was born at college. Hello. And stayed there <laughs> This is my thesis. Yeah. Kind of change my diaper first. Yes. My thesis. I'll be second. defending this diaper. Um, no, but all the hippies would come around for miles to celebrate mm-hmm. Earth Day because we had a celebration at the college. At the college, and they'd come, and we were like, um, "This is college. Yeah. Uh, what are you hippies doing here?" But that, you know, we didn't kick. I mean, they were welcome. Well, that was the kind of the thing. Because I went to a boarding school that was quite conservative, and so for that day, the people who celebrated Earth Day were looked upon as hippies. Yeah. But I also remember people. Some people who were like, "Well, we're going to dress." Like, hippies for Earth Day. And I'm like, but why? Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's not an occasion for costume. It's not a costume occasion. We're and just here to celebrate and protect the natural resources. Right. So, as you said, Earth Day was founded in 1970 and was founded as a day of education about environmental issues. Um, it started, it says it's the brainchild of Senator Gaylord Nelson, which is weird. I had a friend named Gaylord uh, who was a, who was a woman. I thought mm-hmm. Gaylord was a woman's name. Apparently it's for males yeah. or for females. And I'd never heard Gaylord ever before. Um, so Senator Gaylord Nelson was inspired by the protest movement of the 60s and, th- and wanted to bring uh, people to, to raise consciousness around environmental issues. Because at that time, it was something that people were not thinking about environmental protection uh-huh. at all. So it was a national teach-in on the environment. So people would get together, talk about the environment, uh, march, and, and think about ways to conserve the environment. And it was brought on by the uh, panic started over Rachel Carson's Silent Spring. That's right. Which uh, raised the issue of, you know, we're destroying the environment, basically. Everything from the pollution, the pesticides, everything. And starting from the smallest, from the the insects and, you know, heading Mm -hmm. on up the food chain. But also in 1969, Cleveland's Cuyahoga River caught on fire. And I remember hearing about this. Uh, like, so I wasn't born until after it was over, but I remember adults talking about how the river caught on fire 
And the fire raged apparently for first days. I'm her hearing of it. Really? Yeah. yeah. So this river uh, caught on fire in Cleveland, uh-huh. and it just kept burning oh, and burning. Wow. There was so much pollution in it. Wow. And I think the specter of that, um, and the media frenzy that came along, that people were like, "We should probably do something. A river should probably mm-hmm. not catch on fire." <laughs> like. This is not natural. Yeah. People, the activists kind of coalesced around this, and they devoted the day to talking about large-scale issues like industrial pollution um, and tried to really get environmental protection onto the national agenda, and it worked. And it spun, um, out of this kind of movement came a lot of um, legislation, the Environmental Protection Agency, and so on and so forth. And then in, uh, they developed an idea that it could be kind of a national uh-huh. day, right? And that every year we would talk about environmental issues and have consciousness raising about it. And there are rallies. Um, some places, actually, they closed down parts of the city for rallies and speeches and the whole teaching thing. And then eventually it becomes, um, the UN picks it up later on, and it becomes like an international celebration. Nice. So Earth Day was just started by people who were interested in, in raising the issue of environmental protection. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of started filtered through college campuses and the protest movement, but obviously it encompasses more than that. Right? It's not just something that a certain group of people should be worried about. Like we all have to be concerned about it. Right. right? Yeah. I don't. I don't know if this year there's going to be an Earth Day because of our current administration. Maybe it's like a screw the Earth Day. Right. I can imagine um, him coming out to the White House lawn. Drop kicking a globe. Yeah, <laughs> or something right. like that. Like, bitch, yeah. you're mine. Yeah. You know, I grabbed you by your, yeah. your earth. earth. Who can who needs earth? Yeah. Screw earth. Yeah. You know. So that's that's the history of Earth Day. But the the good thing is I'd like to say my observations throughout this year, especially that a lot of companies are going for sustainable products and mm-hmm. practices. So it's not only uh, they're doing away with a lot of the plastic they're they're recycling um, plastic. I mean, it's it's a big initiative. A lot of the major companies are. Well, are I think they finally realize yeah. that it's going to be hard to sell their products if we're all like living dead. underground. Yeah, <laughs> we're dead. Yeah, it's it's like I think these next couple of years are really the do or die, and everybody kind of understands that now. Like we really are yeah. out of time, and There's this is the last. Been it's pro- like Hail Mary, really. The, yeah, and I hope it works. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of protests going on in London right now where people are chaining themselves and then somehow gluing themselves to bridges. And these are older protesters. Nice. <laughs> and clergy <laughs> members are coming out. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? You know nuns are out there because nuns are always at the forefront of this kind of peaceful protest thing. And they're trying to force government action. Yeah. So it's great that we as private citizens are getting involved. It's also great that corporations are doing it. Mm. But government has to get involved and get, on, get to it as well. Yeah, yeah, they're looking, I, but really the corporations are looking at everything from uh, the products being uh, biodegradable, mm-hmm. um, less water usage, yes. better treatment of animals and people. Yeah. All the way through. I've been noticing a lot of the places that I get my, because I wear jeans pretty much exclusively, a lot of the companies I buy jeans from now um, are telling people how to take care of their jeans, mm-hmm. as in not washing them all the time, mm-hmm. having have, have a longer life, but they'll take them back. Yeah. And they turn they shred the material and turn it into insulation, or they use it for other things, right. and instead of having you just throw it away. And they're also, they have developed the technology where they can um, separate cotton from elastane from uh, polyester. Really? Yeah, they can separate all of those wow. fibers now. I mean, but the problem is that it's not just like, 
a smooth system that's in place. It's At least they're moving new. towards it. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do. So they want to take back clothing. Yeah, and separate it. Separate everything and then reuse those materials again and, and just keep doing hopefully it. hopefully experiment yeah. with that because it's free material for mm-hmm. them to work with. Right, 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 right. So this is where things are going that's in that good. respect. I think we, is, they say we have, what, 10 years to turn it around. I don't, if, if in 10 years we don't turn around, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, or it's it's going to be reach the, a tipping point where yeah. we can't really fix we it. We can't turn so it back. So this is a this is a big it's a big deal. So whatever everybody can do, yeah, do it. Um, one thing that we are linking today. Um, Arbor Day with Earth Day because trees are so important. (laughs) You know what? I love Arbor Day. I remember getting trees at school and going home and planting them. Mm -hmm. Like a free tree. And it was always stressful because they give you this tiny sapling. And now you're, you know, you're a fifth grader. And you're like, ah, I'm responsible for this tree. This tree's got to make it in the yard. But it was a good thing to to make you aware of, you know, environmental stewardship. Plus free trees, man. Yeah, you know. So, like trees were a thing. Arbor Day was like kind of a big deal in America for a while. Yeah, it started back in 1854. Among the pioneers moving to ne- the Nebraska territory, there okay. was um, this J. Sterling Morton from Detroit and his wife. Okay, the Misses. Yes, Mrs. Okay. J. Sterling Morton. <laughs> they love nature. Um, and when they moved to Nebraska, they quickly planted trees and shrubs and flowers and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Trees, trees are different than shrubs, people. I just want to put that out there. Oh, yeah. Not the same. So a tree has uh, one, uh, the woody stalk uh-huh. um, that has three parts to it. But a shrub has many stalks. Ah. Just putting it out there okay. for you tree enthusiasts. We're not confusing trees and shrubs. Um, so Morton was a journalist. And he became the editor of Nebraska's for a finest newspaper. Mm-hmm. And he had this forum, so he would spread agricultural information. And then his enthusiasm for, for his trees mm-hmm. spread to a wider audience. Um, and the fellow pioneers out there in Nebraska, they missed trees. They were coming from areas that had a lot of trees. Nebraska did not I'm have I'm going to be them. quite honest with you. I'm very ignorant as to what the landscape is like I in Nebraska. I didn't realize this either, but it doesn't have a lot of trees. And had they already been destroyed by the, by the not development, by um, livestock and things like I that? Because you know, know we destroyed most of the country with that. Pretty quickly. Well, they were needed um, as windbreakers and to mm-hmm. keep soil in place. Yeah. You hear about the dust bowls that happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's our fault, yeah. the dust bowl. Yeah. The dust bowl wasn't happening before we trampled it with uh, you know, all of our yeah. clove and hoof animals. Yeah, they need it for trees for fuel and building materials and mm-hmm. shade from the hot sun, all of these things. So, um, this, so Morton advocated tree planting. And it encouraged individuals to go out and do this and then to join organizations, civic or- organizations, to do it as I wonder well. if anybody was like, he's crazy. We don't need these trees. We're just fine <laughs> with this dirt blowing around. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's all, I feel like. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm, you know, like, who does he think he is telling me to plant a tree on my property? So he first proposed a tree planting holiday called Arbor Day in 1872. Mm-hmm. And he met with the State Board of Agriculture. They're like, all right. Yeah, fine, whatever, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and they planted more than one million trees wow. in Nebraska. Yeah, so Arbor Day was founded, trees were planted, mm-hmm. and there's pictures were taken. This is a bipartisan, like, I can't yeah. imagine anyone really having a problem with this day. Yeah, and so it became, now remember, this is in the 1800, late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, so. 
yeah, I mean, students got involved. A thousand students formed a line to begin a parade, and they were planting trees. It was just like this, this whole sounds thing. like communism. Yeah, another state. <laughs> like, I mean, it really it just spread because. Which brings me to I don't know if everybody has seen the Little Rascals episode where Alfalfa sings mm-hmm. a musical version of the poem, the famous poem called Trees. Okay. Trees is probably the worst poem ever written by a man named Joyce Kilmer. Okay. And I know this because no he... No relation to Val by any chance? I wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he lived in the town that I grew up in in Mawa, New Was Jersey. Was it a town without trees? <laughs> and a town without trees. A yes. young Kilmer yes. rises to the occasion. <laughs> So he's from your town? Yeah. And, and so he wrote was, shit poetry. He wrote shit poetry, and they had a school that Joyce Kilmer named after him. It was like an elementary school. It was like Kilmer High. No. <laughs> no? <laughs> For kids. It okay. was elementary. Okay. Know? So Joyce Kilmer, everyone, everyone had to learn the poem Trees. Okay. Do you still remember it? I do remember okay. it. Okay. Let us hear a, a oh. selection. It starts out with, I won't, I won't kill you with this whole really, thing. It goes a little something like this. I think I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. A tree whose branches sway and flow and does a bunch of shit. And then at the end it says, Poems are written by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. And I'm like, of course you have to make it about yourself. Yes. Of and then course. you gotta bring God in. And then into you have it. to bring God in. Joyce it. Kilmer, he had he was married, he was Catholic, he had five kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, was in the war and got shot by a sniper. Oh, my goodness. Probably doing the world a favor. <laughs> his poetry is terrible. Did he write other poetry wrote, as yes, well? The House with Nobody in It, a couple uh-huh. of other ones. But he was the celebrated poet, and his poetry is terrible. Oh. And he went to Columbia University in New York. And apparently he learned nothing he there. He learned nothing there. And to this day, the students have a contest for the worst poem are you serious? Ever. He's and known as a bad poet? Yes. And for like the past 30 years or so, they have the Joyce Kilmer Bad Poetry Contest where students will <laughs> write bad poetry and then they will vote on the worst poem. Oh my and goodness. They get the Joyce so Kilmer this guy award. is the poetry equivalent of it was a dark and stormy night. Yes. The wind howled and the shutters banged. Wow. Right. And there is another worst writer's um, contest. Yeah, for that, that one. For that one, too. Is he also from your town? I They're just know. churning them out. churning them out. <laughs> <laughs> There's me. But... So anyway, so trees. So that is there's the poem. There is the the Arbor Day origin. Do you have anything you want to say? About um, trees? Yeah, it's real interesting. I remember a couple of, and during the Bloomberg administration, one of the things <clears> that <throat> Bloomberg did was like the Million Tree Initiative. Okay. And they had a program whereby anyone from the five boroughs could go and get a free tree from the city of New York mm-hmm. and plant it. Okay. So Greg. Uh, went to get one one year, but maybe this is like six, seven, maybe eight years ago. And we brought it back to our building, and uh, some people helped us plant it in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful tree. And every year when it comes out, we those of us who contributed to the tree planting, we feel like a sense of pride. We actually like talk about it. Yeah, we're like, oh look, here's our tree. So we people become very attached to trees for some yeah. reason. Like I always feel like when I see a tree being cut down, it's sad. Yeah. Um, and at one of the schools I was working at, they were chopping down some trees to make room for a new science center or something like that. And we were looking out the window, and one of my students said something like, that tree was, like, probably here during the Civil War. Yeah. You know, like, that, that tree's been through a lot, and now we're just cutting it down to yeah. put up a building. So that the trees have some kind of hold on the, the imagination mm-hmm. and the way that other 
um, that a shrub, for example. <laughs> just doesn't have the same magic. Just doesn't have the same hold. Yeah. Uh, I have some facts about trees. Okay. Hit us with them. There, the earth has more than 60,000 known species. Okay. And more than half of all the species of trees exist in a single country. Really? Yes. Where? It is Brazil. Wow. Yeah. And we're probably chopping them down as fast as we possibly yeah, no can. Kidding. And trees did not exist for the for ninety the first ninety percent of the earth's history. What a loss for them. <laughs> no kidding. You know, right. I can't imagine a treeless I mean you know, I don't know. You know what they had? They okay. had moss. Okay. Ferns. Liverworts with deep roots. Oh, Great. You know, vascular plants. Mm-hmm. Who needs that? Yeah, and no plants really grew more than about um, three feet off the ground. Huh. So they didn't even have to, they had nothing big to look at. <laughs> Just looking down. <laughs> That's it. Just looking down all the time. But actually, before trees, Earth was home to fungi that grew 26 feet tall. All right, oh. so you can look at that. Yeah, uh, a, a giant mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that. No. Well, how big were the spores? They probably hit you on the head and knock you out. They just looked like big, um, like, rockets coming out of the oh, ground. They were wow. not cool. It, yeah, it just looks like some kind of a spongy obelisk. Yeah. And then... Uh, the Which we, we are characterizing as totally not cool. Yeah. <laughs> compared to a tree. It's not cool. Nothing to look at. You know? Nothing at all. Like, if you strip the tree down... To just like a pointy, um, and you use like a carrot peeler yeah. on, the, on the on the and apparently it was gray in the picture. Yeah, uh, the first known tree was a leafless fern-like plant from New York. Okay, <laughs> the first known tree. Yeah, it's about the past three hundred million years or so mm-hmm. from today's New York. Yes, <laughs> from today's New York. Yes, yes. To, that was where the first tree came up. That's interesting. Yeah. A tree grows in Brooklyn. Maybe that's yeah, something to do with right. That. The first tree. New meaning to that. Uh, Let's see. Some trees emit chemicals that attract enemies of their enemies. Yes. Also known as their friends. Yeah. (laughs) Like. Yeah, so, you know, if this insect is is kind of like a parasite to the tree or Mm -hmm. destructive, they... They call in something else that will take that out. I saw in Costa Rica, and probably in other parts of uh, that part of the world, there are some trees that if you even touch them, you're in big trouble. Really? They look very inviting, but they're like, don't lean against them because you will break out. They are poisonous to the touch. Wow. So I'm wondering if they just are not trying to have it with people. I don't blame them. (laughs) Like, they've they've developed some kind of mechanism to keep people away from the tree because I see animals interacting with this tree well but it's toxic for us to to good. even be under this tree good you know? a, it probably you gotta do what you gotta do yes you know trees in a forest can talk and share nutrients through an underground internet built by soil fungi okay so probably the other trees are like look yeah these people come they're, by they're and they coming cut us at down, us yep do something do something it's not too late for you yeah it's not too late oh yeah. I like it yeah there's um I but man, they drink water. A large oak can consume. <laughs> Don't. Okay. But, but I like the way you say it, though. But man, they sure do put it away on the waterfront. Do you know what I'm saying? You feel me on that? I'm just saying keep an eye on your water. A hundred gallons of water a day. Really? Yeah. For one tree? For one oak tree. And a sequoia, 500 gallons. That's a lot. That's amazing. It's like, where are they getting it from? I don't know. Yeah. 
They help us breathe not just by producing oxygen, but by clearing out all the pollutants yeah. in the air. And by the way, if you have an open field, an open pasture, and you plant one tree, you can increase the bird biodiversity by from almost zero to as high as 80. Really? From one tree? One tree. It's a I'll whole try. ecosystem yeah. unto itself. Isn't that fascinating? Uh, trees lower stress, raise property values, and fight crime. If there's more trees around, <laughs> <laughs> they're not masked and they don't roam <laughs> with karate chops. They fight, they fight crime. I like that. Yeah, because it's human nature to like trees. Looking at them makes us feel happier, less stressed, and more creative. Okay. So um, you see someone's coming to rob your crib, but then they get there like, damn, that's Sequoia. Son, I'm out. I don't feel like robbing this place anymore. Just don't yeah. feel right. Just don't feel right. Yeah, there are chemicals released by trees um, that reduce human blood pressure and mm-hmm. anxiety and increase pain threshold. Really? And I'm, even increased expression of, like, there's anti-cancer uh, proteins in a person's I body. know that so, the trees emit um, some kind of odor that attracts animals to pee at their base because yeah. they need the ammonia uh-huh. from animal urine. Mm-hmm. So when you see it, like a dog, they don't even know why they're peeing on a tree. They're compelled to do so by yeah. the tree itself. Um, healthy, mature trees, having them around. Um, urban trees uh, correlate with lower crime rates, and including things from graffiti, vandalism, and littering to domestic violence. Having trees around reduces all that. That's insane. Yeah. It may, you know what? Now that I think about where I see graffiti and yeah. where, I see, where I don't see it, yeah. yeah. Huh. People aren't connected to nature in any way. But also there's something else to look at. So there's not, you know, where I see graffiti generally, it's like a blank wall, open space. But mm-hmm. you could put a couple of trees in front of it. Now you have something there. Yeah. Something is in that I space. I can work with this. Yes. This is something positive to look at. I don't yeah. feel like I need to tag it. Right. You know? Right. And it also, it, it, it's about... People feeling like they're valued, that they're not just in this concrete enclosure. In a concrete jungle. There's something going on. A couple of years ago, I saw one of the arborists. And anyone in New York City can be an arborist if you go through the training to do Mm -hmm. it. And it certifies you to go out into the city and and take care of the trees. Mm -hmm. So I saw a young black woman who was like, you know, had all of her equipment and was doing some work with the trees. And then her friend was there with her. Mm And people just kept coming by and talking and hanging. It was like a whole, like a positive thing Mm -hmm. was happening. Because they saw she was like just taking care of some trees. And it just made everybody feel good. Mm -hmm. We were all at the bus stop like smiling. And then we're like talking to each other. All because of that damn tree. Yeah. So (laughs) they do have some positive effects for us. So I wanted to bring up some stuff here. In the event that we are unable to stave off destroying Mother Earth. Mm -hmm. Um with, you know, trying to be green and all this kind of stuff. What other things can we do? So I looked into geoengineering. I kind of heard about it what a is, little bit. What is it? It's a, it's it's the manipulation of a particular process or a number of processes on a large scale to control climate. Okay. So I have some examples of this. There's solar um, geoengineering. So it's a kind of climate change in which you reflect the sunlight away from the earth to try to keep okay. it cool. And they're trying to also, uh, there's solar solar radiation management, SRM. Like, anyone's going to know what uh-huh. SRM is. Uh, it, it's trying to bring the levels of greenhouse gases under control by removing greenhouse gas from, um, from the environment. I don't know where they're putting it. Uh-huh. But just sucking it out of the environment uh-huh. and putting it somewhere else. So there are a bunch of different geoengineering schemes. 
And usually they're about either restricting the amount of sunlight, eliminating carbon dioxide, um, or changing the environment in some way, which obviously is a little scary because once you start messing with things that you don't understand, sometimes there can be effects that you you know, that you're not fully aware of. So here are some of the geoengineering things. This is what science has come up with. One is called a drop, we're supposed to drop tree bombs. So these are uh, canisters of wax that have fertilizer and seed. Oh. And you just shoot them into the air and wherever they fall, boom, a tree. No. Oh, that's so exciting. it's a good idea unless it goes to the wrong place. Yeah. So they're saying if a lot of these go into the the ocean, that fertilizer and the seeds could disrupt the the aquaculture. Oh, okay. That's there. Um, and it could be it could be a threat to plants and animals that are already in the uh-huh. region that you're that you're dropping it in. Another one, just some of this stuff seems very like sci-fi out there. Ice spraying balloons. Some guy, Professor David Keith from Harvard, says that uh, he's going to send balloons filled with ice. Balloons filled with ice? In, into the stratosphere. And that that's going to reflect the sunlight entering the earth back out of the sun. Back at you. Well, so instead they fill of, them with water and then they freeze up there? Look. <laughs> that... Balloons filled with ice. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> it, well, what is up that high? It's gonna be. It's gonna be freeze frozen anyway. Yeah, yeah. But maybe there's something about the way this ice is set up that it's going to do a very good job of reflect. So the sun's gonna try to shine on you, and it's like, no, I don't think so. Boom. I'm so it's gonna go. Theoretically, that the sun's rays are going to go okay. back out. All right. Um, it says it's a good idea in theory. theory. <laughs> no, no kidding. But you would need. Uh, and I think the scientific uh, number for this is a buttload okay. of these things up there. And you need to send jets up there, which is yeah. another problem. Because if you're sending jets up there, that's contributing to the destruction of the environment. Um, and so then the jets would be dodging these gigantic ice balloons. Mm-hmm. And you know some of these these balloons are going to fall back to Earth. Yeah, you of know course that's going to happen. Of course they are. Um, here's another one. And these are How actually... The balloons? I'm thinking party balloons. These are gigantic. Oh, okay. Like, like hot air balloons. Oh, Gigantic okay. balloons. Um, here's another great idea that someone came up with. Flood Death Valley. So they're thinking, because as the polar ice caps are melting and releasing a lot of uh, water into our oceans, the oceans are rising, they're saying, why not divert some of this water to Death Valley in California and fill it up? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you see the problems here. So we're just going to fill up Death Valley. Um, And other places, too. So I guess the Grand Canyon. Anywhere where there's a sinkhole. Oh, they're going to fill it with water? Oh, good idea. Fill it up with the water. Okay. (laughs) That's that's an actual idea. Oh, Um, all right. Here's another. This is a real idea from a glaciologist, Dr. Jason Box. I'm suspicious of that name. Um, His idea is to cover Greenland... With white blankets what? to stop the earth from melting. With white blankets? Oh, to reflect the sun. Yeah, to reflect right. the okay. sun's rays. But they're saying it would, it would be very difficult to cover Greenland with blankets. And it might melt anyway. And then you have a, just a bunch of wet blankets <laughs> over the entire... Not to be a wet blanket on the theory, but... <laughs> yes. uh. um, so that's one of the ideas is to cover it with blankets. Another idea is a space sunshade. 
So they're going to, uh, researchers suggest that we construct 800,000 small spacecraft that can be deployed to hang out together and create a gigantic canopy. Um, The problem with it, it would cool down the globe, but it would also put whatever areas under this canopy in the dark. Yeah. And that would probably lead to mass hunger and starvation. But and, it'd be cool. Crime. Yeah. But it'd be cool. But yeah, it'd be dark all the time, crime. Yeah. Um, or yeah. lots of loving going on. Or lots, lots of, of loving. Big population explosion. So there are two more ideas that they have. One is to fill the oceans with iron uh, to help the growth of uh, phytoplankton like algae that can absorb the carbon dioxide. And again, you can see the problems because any, anything in there will eat the iron. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could harm not only the water itself, because if our, if our water is full of iron, we can't use it in the same way. Uh-huh. And then other animals will eat the iron as well, which could be problematic. And then the last one, and this is actually, I think China was testing this, and maybe the U.S. was testing it as well, is to put sulfuric acid into the sky. Ooh. So <laughs> what goes up must come down. Right? Jets yeah. would dispense sulfuric acid into the stratosphere to form air. Because when it comes with water vapor together, it forms aerosol. And it will reflect the light away from the earth and prevent further warming. But again, we're talking about darkness. And we're talking about putting sulfuric acid into mm-hmm. the atmosphere, which I find problematic. Yes. I think it that's... being sulfuric acid. Yeah. So not only is the place going to smell like a rotten egg and farts, but it's going to be dark <laughs> yeah, and cold. Yeah. And we don't know what the effects of this are. Almost every single thing on this list is that could lead to mass hunger. What good is it if we're starving? Yeah. <laughs> like, have some nice cheekbones, everyone. Yeah, That's but about it. I like the idea of like, well, we'll just send up a bunch of umbrellas. Yeah. 800,000 small spacecraft and they will block out the sun. For a while. Mm-hmm. For a little while. Yeah. Until we can get our act together. If you don't pay us. It sounds like a threat from the mob, right? Yeah. It'd be a real shame if the sun stops shining on this particular area of town. <laughs> real shame. Yeah, right? If somebody had control over that and they can just, and mm-hmm. you know it's going to just yep. be used for war. So this is, these are some of the things that they're thinking about for geoengineering. Look, people, we got to get this under control. We got to find other ways. None of these things sound like the kind of things we can handle. We can't handle anything. Yeah. We're I, having a hard time just recycling paper. Are you kidding me? Yeah. There's three bins <laughs> in every office. <laughs> yes. And people paper, still can't do it right. Plastic. Yeah. Aluminum. Or like, I mean, a lot of these things too are going to be based on the wonders of AI and technology. And again, frequently Katie and I are in the same room together and cannot call each other on our smartphones. Yeah, no kidding. You know? Yeah. What happens when you have to turn these things on and turn them back, you know, turn them off and turn them back on again? Yeah, or the people... Then what? Yeah, right. And everything is always buggy and we're yes. in this... Uh, oh, and by the way, it's like the way tech is now. Remember everybody had to be trained to yes. know how to do their job? But now it's like Google to figure out the next step and then whatever. And then what? Yeah, we'll whatever. Just, dude, 50 of the umbrellas broke off. And have headed to somewhere else. But I think that the the one to me that is the lamest, and it sounds like kindergartners came up with it, was the blankets on Greenland. Yeah. <laughs> really? This, is, this guy really wants to associate his name with the idea like, well, we'll just throw down some blankets. The blanket theory. Yeah, the blanket theory. We'll just cover it up. White blankets will do it. Mm-hmm. Over Greenland, which, by the way, is huge. Yeah, I, it's not a small place. Even covering something like Rhode Island is out of the question. Yeah. Greenland? 
Who's going to make these blankets? Who's going to spread them out? How's this going to work? Who's paying for them? What about the people who live there? Yeah. How are the animals going to feel when they show up to munch? And then when you're done with them, what are you going to do with the blankets? Yeah. Throw them in the ocean? Then what? Yeah. We'll have another problem. Are they biodegradable? Who knows? But you know what is biodegradable? Okay. Chiquita? Coffee cups. And you know what they're doing with them? They're what? putting seeds in said coffee cups. Where? Like just inside? <laughs> Maybe I should explain that a little better. Because, okay. like, when I go to get my coffee at the coffee, I'm going to look in there and be like, there's a walnut in here, dude. <laughs> no, basically. No, basically, they're manufacturing biodegradable coffee cups embedded with seeds mm-hmm. that grow into trees when thrown away. So what happens when I just throw them into, like, on the ground and then seeds will pop up? Because, you know, a lot of this is, what, what happens when it goes into the trash? I don't know. No, I think that when they're going to recycle and then they're going to... I don't know what they're going to do with it. I'm just saying, how, how is it going to get planted, is, I guess is my question. Okay, so anyway, so here we got the, it's called Reduce, Reuse, Grow. Okay. It's an ingenious new type of coffee cup with seeds inside the walls. You can plant the cup when you're done. Who? When? You can. And in Hoboken? Sure. I'm sure that's illegal to just randomly <laughs> plant a coffee cup somewhere. I know. Some thought has clearly gone into this project. Some thought. <laughs> Not a lot. Yeah. Some. Little. It's, it, you know what? Brought to you by the people who gave you Greenland's blankets. <laughs> the blankets of Greenland. Come see the blankets yes, of Greenland. Yes, come see them. One thing that is clever about the cup is the seeds included in the cup will be local to the region in which the cups are sold. What if it I take the cup on a trip? That's what I say. You know, you go you take a road trip. It seems like, I, I understand what they're trying to do. I think making it recyclable or biodegradable might be enough. Yeah, I think, yeah, you don't need to put a seed in there. Yeah. Because um, what if you, like, buy a sleeve of these yourself and you keep them in your, in your cabinet? And then you go away for a couple of months, you come back. And it's, you got, like, um, uh, Groot. And it looks like Swamp Thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I say Groot. Oh, Groot, yeah. Swamp, swamp Thing. That's what I'm thinking. Coming out of the cabinet. I'm I thinking know. that I put this in an unfortunate location and then I come back and there's a forest. Yeah. I think yeah. it's going too far. I don't see the point. Why not just, you know what, instead of this, make these biodegradable coffee cups. Or better yet, at this point, most of us should be using, like, um, a reusable, a reusable yeah, cup. Yeah, right. Because um, billions of beverage containers are discarded each year. And as we've all seen in pictures of the terrible mess we're making, this project uh, and others like it is a priority. So this... You know, they they have the reports on it. They're trying to see if this is going to be actually something that we can do. But I think it's we just have the biodegradable, just like what yeah, you were saying. just the biodegradable. Because I don't know in most places, like okay, I'm buying a coffee cup on Wall Street or, or a cup of coffee on Wall Street. I'm mm-hmm. drinking it. There's nowhere to plant it. Yeah, like I'm not sure. And if once I recycle it, that's it. Yeah. I mean, and if I put it in compost, now I'm just creating problems. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I know, right? Like, now you're growing things. Yeah, in that you don't that, need you know, to be growing yeah, things. Yeah, you don't need to do the seeds. Yeah. But I, it's an interesting idea as a marketing thing. So I wanted to do a little research on uh, Earth-based religions. Oh, okay. Uh, so this is a religion. It's called World 
pantheism. World's pantheism. Yes. Okay, uh, revering the universe, caring for nature, celebrating life. And it's basically for people who want to make nature the focus of their spiritual or religious feeling. Okay. Um, Which isn't bad. No, I don't think it's a it's bad, bad thing. Idea. I mean, look, you can worship worse. Uh-huh. So world pantheism is a earth-focused spiritual slash religious organization. Nature is at the heart of their spirituality. Uh, and they say that it's close to something called deep ecology, uh-huh. the Gaia theory, okay. right? The Mother, Mother Earth. Yeah, Gaia means yeah. Mother Earth. Yeah. Nature religion or basic or direct nature worship. Uh-huh. And basically the simplest way to sum it up, they're saying nature is your God. Right? Uh-huh. So you look to nature as a deity and you worship it. And the way that you do that is by trying to preserve nature, uh-huh. by caring about nature. And they say that the beautiful planet Earth is our mother and our home. Um, the sacred the sacred earth is our ark, and the plants and animals that live on it are a fellow passenger, and this ark is now threatened by human action and inaction. So they focus on, they say they focus on earth rather than the imaginary realm. Yeah. Right? So they're worshiping a god that they know, that they are interacting can, with every day, that they yeah. can um, impact. Right. Um so they they recognize that the planet is the habitat of all living things and has a delicate network of interacting elements, rocks, waters, climate, life, all of that. It's not specifically saying they're into animism, mm-hmm. that there are spirits in the rocks, spirits in the water, mm-hmm. but that the earth itself is the is the god, right. right, is the deity, is the reason for us being here mm-hmm. and we need to honor it. Um and they need to the idea is um, the Greek earth goddess Gaia. They're using it as a metaphor. Yeah. Right? That, yeah, it's not a literal thing. Yeah. Like, this is... this is. So, the Gaia really. theory states that life and the plant on... and So, us as humans and all life on this planet and the planet evolved together. Mm-hmm. That we are all a part of this thing. So, I guess that puts us in the, the deity category as well. Right. Because right? if you think... You know, like, energy cannot be created or destroyed. So, we keep being recycled back yeah. into the planet and popping up as something else. Um, so, their belief statement says we are an integral part of nature. We cherish, revere, and preserve its magnificent beauty and diversity. We strive to live in harmony with nature locally and globally. We acknowledge the inherent value of all life, human and non-human, and treat all living beings with compassion and respect. And it seems like uh, in order to be in this religion, you just need to feel this way about Mm -hmm. the earth. But they also do a lot of service in terms of making donations, buying land, Mm -hmm. you know, doing ecology projects and stuff like that. I'd never heard of it called world pantheism before. I never. I definitely remember um, as a kid... When I got a little bit older, because you become more conscious about the environment uh-huh. and growing up in a Christian, uh, in a Christian like um, society, people like don't worship the earth. Yeah, and it's it was like, like considered like devil stuff, and but, it was like, but wait, I don't see how that is in opposition to your religion. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm just, I was just saying, hey, let's. I mean, the earth is amazing. Let's preserve the earth, and but the whole idea of thinking about the earth in that mm-hmm. way for some reason. Like, you know, raise people's hackles, which I didn't understand. And when I was doing research on this, that comes up, too. Don't worship the earth. It's like, why not? Well, it's the whole thing of, like, anybody losing control over their followers. They don't want anybody looking at anything else but But them. I've never in my I've never heard of anyone who is an earth worshiper, like coming at anybody else's religion. Yeah. In a, in a very, in a negative way. And I don't see the correlation between worshiping the planet and Satanism. 
Yeah, well, it's which is a real of, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, they, the Satanists would be like, "That's not us. Yeah, we're doing something completely <laughs> different, different over here." That. Yeah, you no, know, but we have uh, Lucifer. Uh, you guys are talking about the Earth. Uh, most Christian religions, they they believe that there is one God and one God alone. Everything else is secondary and, and beyond secondary. But I think that you could you could. <laughs> Do both. Yeah. Right? You could have you could have an interest in your religion, but you could also have an interest in I, I think this as that well, or no? You can. Or is it it's too competitive? If, if you were healthy, yes. Yeah. You can do it. But a lot of them want you to be dependent on their religion. So they mm-hmm. say, you know, don't even do that. Don't, don't even, even look don't even there. don't even look at Mother Earth, really. Because that means they don't want you to have any kind of like um a distraction, maybe? Not even a distraction, but just like a healthy sense of self. Because they, if they realize, if a person realizes that they can yeah. they can steward their own spirituality yeah. and they don't need an, somebody going being an in-between. between That's true. Of, There's no way to get between. So this church or this religion, as far as I understand, doesn't have any leadership. Right. They're just like, the tenants are, yeah. you are your own power and connection to the yeah. earth. Yeah, and then yeah. take, it just says, cherish, revere, and preserve the earth. Right. Um, and everyone can do that. You don't need to, like, Yeah, you don't need priest. to do anything You don't need else. to confess anything. You just need, you have action to take. So it's interesting. They have, like, a, a handbook, you know, they have a Facebook page. They have uh, habitat schemes where people learn how to manage their gardens and become interested uh-huh. in, you know, nature and conservation. Um, and it just seems like a, a, a really interesting way, even if you're not thinking about it in a religious or a spiritual way. Um, everything that I saw from them looked really interesting. Mm-hmm. They really are just about conservation, mm-hmm. just about preserving the earth, which is, again, I, I don't see how anyone could have a problem with that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, No, they're just afraid very that basic you won't go to them for their, your for decisions and guidance. And they like they that. may also, I had a sneaking suspicion reading this stuff that a lot of the people who practice this world pantheism also are part of other religions as well. Yes. You know. But that's the idea that you can get yeah. your spirituality elsewhere too. But it can float. See, the, the pantheism, they're, they're like, they're not trying it's, to keep yeah, it. It's a big tent. Yeah. You know, it's like, whatever, get yeah. in here. Are you down with the earth? We're down with it too. That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right, what do you have? Well, um, so protecting species on Earth Day, uh, that's, that, I think that is the theme of this year's Earth Day, is okay. protect the species. I think last year was get rid of the plastic. Mm-hmm. This year is protect, protect the species. species. Is yeah. it specific species, endangered species? They were talking about plants, okay. animals, or just in general? Just in general, but they do highlight a couple of them, and they're mm-hmm. like, hey, how about giraffes? You know, that they're on their way out. Really? Yeah. I, I don't think about giraffes that much because, I mean, obviously we live in an environment where you rarely ever see one. Yeah. Um, their tails and meat are considered status symbols. These are, are the kidding me? To them. Yeah. Trophy. Must we eat everything? I know. What I know. the hell? We have domesticated animals for, for generations. I still know we got to go out there and eat the few left, of, you know, what's left of these wild animals. It says, right, um, the other threats are habitat loss, civil unrest, illegal poaching and hunting, climate change um, is collectively, all these things are collectively contributing to the decline of the draft population. Mm -hmm. Climate change and habitat loss have also contributed to the decline of the acai tree. Is that what they eat? Yes, the main source of why? food for Okay, again, why are we eating this then? Everywhere yeah. I go, I see acai, acai bowls, dried acai. Stop, we should stop eating this stuff. Yeah. We don't need to eat it. They do. 
I feel like I'm stealing food directly out of the mouths of the four giraffes that are left right now. Yeah. <clears throat> U.S. trophy hunters import at least one giraffe every day. Every day. Are you day. kidding me? Yeah, and the Trump administration apparently does not give. We X, should ex- and they they don't care if the giraffe. We should export stand. every day one of them. Yeah. Okay, so why do we need to protect the giraffes? They inspire curiosity and amazement, and one of the world's most iconic species. They really are. It's just like an amazing looking animal. Also, I would put to you, why not? Yeah. Like, do uh, we have to? Have, I mean, even if they are hideous. <laughs> and uninspiring. I know, I know. We still should protect You're right. them. You're right. Giraffes drive ecotourism and conservation. Um, they Giraffes live in harmony with other herbivores and set serve a vital role in the local ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And when plants and fruits pass through their digestive system, they spread seeds and allow plants to germinate. Also, the fact that they're here means that they're important. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's there's nothing arbitrary here. Yes, everything here is here <laughs> Everything here is here for a reason. I don't know about people, but in the animal kingdom for sure. NASA scientists have researched the blood vessels of giraffe legs for ideas on how to create better spacesuits. Well, you better hurry up. Yeah. <laughs> and because giraffes can spot predators, such as lions and hyenas from far away, many animals use giraffes as their early warning system. Great, so now the, little, the corner lookout is gone. Yeah. So when you see a giraffe running, you better, you better run. run. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I don't understand the... I, I try to put myself in the mindset of these idiot hunters who see a, an animal that is vicious and mm-hmm. want to kill it. I get that. Like, if it's... You know, I understand what they're thinking, that it's either that lion or me, right? Yeah. But a giraffe? For real? Giraffe populations have declined from 155,000 in 1985 to... 80,000 in oh, 2018. No. So there, we're not going to have any left. It's over. We're going to be left with I roaches know. and rats. One of There's nine giraffe subspecies, mm-hmm. and um, three of those subspecies have fallen below 1,000 each. And are people trying to, like, get the, get the last ones before they go? Is that their idea? I don't know. I, don't I, know. I really don't understand. Sometimes I feel like we are we don't deserve the planet that we yeah, have. Yeah, I know. This is how this like you know how you're, when your parents are like you don't deserve to have that you if you can't, don't have to treat it. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, we can't you, have a nice just, planet. Yeah, because it's really important for someone to go and hunt a giraffe. They can stand between fifteen and twenty feet tall, and there are right now there are fewer giraffes than elephants at this point. I, I think guess. that we will probably be the last. Uh, generation to see any of these things. But if you go visit uh, the Trump family home, I'm sure it's filled with dead stuffed animals. Yeah. From all over the world. I'm sure that's very exciting to them. Um, sad. Earth Day. Yeah. And Arbor Day. <laughs> okay, go plant a tree. Yeah, go plant a tree. And go clean up something. Don't eat any giraffe meat. Yeah. Or acai berries, apparently. Yeah, make friends with a tree. I have a favorite tree. Did you know that? And What is it? It's just, no, it's just a tree. I don't even know what it is. Oh, I like a Japanese maple. That's my oh, favorite kind of tree. Okay. But I have one tree in the park that I always go by. That's and awesome. Like, oh, and you would be sad if it weren't there. Yeah, but I don't call it my tree. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. And... Look, I'm not, it's human. Yeah. And don't tell anybody where it is. You don't want people showing up there. No, but I go and I say hi.
Thank you for listening to Hey You Know It. Stay in touch with us during the week. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Tumblr. Go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on an upcoming show regardless of content. As always, we love your emails. Send us an email at heyyouknowit at gmail.com with your comments, questions, and segment ideas. Emails will also be read on upcoming shows. Please tell your friends about us because you know we don't advertise. And let them know we can be found on iTunes at stitcher.com and at heyyouknowit.com. Thanks.